Al-Bashir, your source of Islamic literature, presents the lives of the prophets, part two. Alhamdulillah, salatu wassalam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Musa was told by Allah that your people have worshipped the calf. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَرَجَعَ مُوسَى إِلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ غَضْبَانَ أَسِفًا Musa went back to his people angry and upset and sorry. He was so sad. How could this happen in my absence? My people commit shirk and they worship another god besides Allah. So angry and upset. So he went there to meet his people. What did Musa do as soon as he saw his people worshipping the calf? He threw the tablets. Allah has given to Musa al-alwah, the tablets that had the huda of Allah in them. Had the awamr, the commandments of Allah. When Musa saw Bani Israel making sujood to the calf, he threw the tablets from his hand. What would you do if you see somebody throwing the Qur'an? It's something that, it's unacceptable. But Musa, when he saw this in front of his eyes, he was in a state of shock. So those tablets fell from his hand. Musa already knew about it, didn't he? He already knew about it because Allah told him. How come his reaction was different when he saw it? Because Rasulullah says, لَيْسَ الْخَبَرُ كَالْمُعَايَنَةِ When you hear something, it's not like seeing it. Hearing about something is different than seeing it. When you see something, it's a completely different thing than when you hear about it. Musa heard about it from Allah, but when he saw it, it was something different, and he was in a state of shock, he threw the tablets from his hand. And he said, قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ أَلَمْ يَعِرْكُمْ رَبُّكُمْ وَعْدًا حَسَنًا Oh my people, did not your Lord promise you a fair promise? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised you with victory. Allah has promised you with the Holy Land. Allah has promised you with Jannah. Allah has promised you with Tamkeen, establishment on the earth if you are believers. How could you leave all of these promises and commit shirk? أَلَمْ يَعِدُكُمْ رَبُّكُمْ وَعْدًا حَسَنًا أَفَطَالَ عَلَيْكُمُ الْعَهْدُ أَمْ أَرَدْتُمْ أَنْ يَحِلَّ عَلَيْكُمْ غَضَبٌ مِّنْ رَبِّكُمْ فَأَخْلَفْتُمْ مَوْعِدِي did then the promise seem too long in coming? Do you feel that it's too long in coming so you gave up? Or did you desire that wrath should descend from your Lord on you that you broke your promise to me? You have broken your promise to me. They said, They said, We did not break the promise of our own will. It is not our own will. They refused to admit their guilt. They said, we broke not the promise to you of our own will. But we were made to carry the weight of the ornaments of the people of Fir'aun. Then we cast them into the fire and that was what the Samiri suggested. فَأَخْرَجَ لَهُمْ عِجْلًا جَسَدًا لَهُ خُوَارٍ Then he took out of the fire for them a statue of a calf which seemed too low. Let's analyze what Bani Israel said. Musa told them, you have broke your promise with me. They said, no, we did not break our promise with our own will, but we were carrying with us ornaments, and this is the suggestion of a Samri. There are two problems with this. Number one, they had guilt in their hearts because of this gold. 
Ibn Kathir says, first of all, this gold is halal for them now because the people of Fir'aun are the enemies of Allah and Allah destroyed them and that ghanam should go to, should go to them. So the gold, they should take it. They had guilt for carrying that gold with them, but they did not feel any guilt committing shirk against Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the scale of taqwa is upside down. Taqwa in very small things, but no taqwa in the major issues. So Bani Israel are feeling the guilt of carrying with them the gold that belongs to the people of Israel, and they have no guilt whatsoever when they are worshipping a calf besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَلَا يَرَوْنَ أَلَّا يَرْجِعُ إِلَيْهِمْ قَوْلًا وَلَا يَمْلِكُ لَهُمْ ضَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا Did they not see that it could not return them a word, and that it had no power either to harm them or to do them any good? And Harun alayhi salam, he advised them, وَلَقَدْ قَالَ لَهُمْ هَارُونُ مِنْ قَبْلِ يَا قَوْمِ إِنَّمَا فُتِنْتُمْ بِهِ وَإِنَّ رَبَّكُمُ الرَّحْمَانُ فَاتَّبِعُونِي وَأَطِيعُوا أَمْرِي And Harun indeed had said to them beforehand, O oh my people, you are being tried in this, and verily your Lord is Allah the most gracious, so follow me and obey my order. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَفَلَا يَرَوْنَ أَلَّا يَرْجِعُ إِلَيْهِمْ قَوْلًا وَلَا يَمْلِكُ لَهُمْ ضَرًّا وَلَا نَفْعًا did they not see that it could not return them a word and that it had no power either to harm them or to do them good? Sayyidina Harun was appointed to be the leader over Bani Israel in the absence of Musa. وَإِنَّ رَبَّكُمُ الرَّحْمَانُ فَاتَّبِعُونِي وَأَطِيعُوا أَمْرِي And Harun indeed had said to his people beforehand, O my people, you are being tried in this. This is a fitna. It's a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And verily your Lord is Allah the most gracious, so follow me and obey my order. Harun السلام, is telling them, Allah is your Lord, so obey me and follow my order. I'm the Amir, I'm the Khalifa on you. Because Musa told Harun, وَخْلُفْنِي فِي قَوْمِي Be the successor or be the leader on the people in my absence. So he appointed Harun, and Harun told the people, you have to obey me. فَأَطِيعُونِي وَاتَّبِعُوا أَمْرِي But Bani Israel, uh, they were already set in their stubbornness to worship the calf. SubhanAllah, this calf was so attractive to them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأُشْرِبُوا فِي قُلُوبِهِمُ الْعِجْلِ their, their hearts absorbed it. Even long after, the re- residual of, of that ajl is still in their hearts. This is way after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأُشْرِبُوا فِي قُلُوبِهِمُ الْعِجْلَ بِكُفْرِهِمْ They absorbed the love of the calf in their hearts because of their kufr. And Allah alam, were they loving the calf because of the sounds that it was making, khawar, or was it because al-ajil was made out of gold? They said, what was their response to Sayyidina Harun? We will not stop worshipping the calf until Musa comes back. 
do whatever you want. We're not going to stop worshiping the calf. Musa, when he came back, and he saw what they were doing, the first thing he did was, he threw the tablets from his hand. He threw the tablets, and in the tablets was guidance. And then he rushed towards his brother, and he grabbed him with his beard in one hand, and his head in the other hand, and started pulling him towards him. And he told his brother, قَالَ يَا هَارُونُ مَا مَنَعَكَ إِذْ رَأَيْتَهُمْ ضَلُّوا أَلَّا تَتَّبِعَنِ أَفَعْصَيْتَ أَمْرِي Oh Harun, what prevented you when you saw them going astray that you followed me not? Have you then disobeyed my order? Musa said, how come you didn't come and tell me? How come you let this happen and you didn't come and convey this news to me? Harun said, قَالَ يَا ابْنَ أُمَّ لَا تَأْخُذْ بِلِحْيَةِ وَلَا بِرَأْسِ Oh son of my mother, son of my mother, it means he, he's, he's trying to bring up the blood relationship that is between them and the mother is the side of mercy. So he's telling him, we're, we're brothers. يَا ابْنَ أُمَّ Oh my brother, oh son of my mother, لَا تَأْخُذْ بِلِحْيَةِ وَلَا بِرَأْسِ Oh son of my mother, seize me not by my beard nor by my head. إِنِّي خَشِيتُ أَن تَقُولَ فَرَّقْتَ بَيْنَ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ وَلَمْ تَرْقُبْ قَوْلِي Harun is giving the justification why he didn't come and tell Musa what is happening. He said, Verily, I feared lest you should say, You have caused a division among the children of Israel, and you have not respected my word. Harun said that I would have caused disunity. Bani Israel when Harun told them not to worship the calf, they threatened Harun, they said, we're going to kill you. And Harun said that in another ayah, he said, He said, they saw me weak, and they were almost going to kill me. So don't let the enemy rejoice over us. Harun was saying, don't let the enemies, because we have some enemies among these people. Some of them are enemies. Don't let them rejoice because of the dispute between me and you. So whenever we have a conflict, we should keep it private. If there's a conflict between the husband and the wife, it should not go out of the bounds of the household unless it is necessary. So the problems should be private. And even when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, you bring outside assistance, who did Allah say? Hakaman min ahli wa hakaman min ahliha. Bring a judge from her side of the family and a judge from your side of the family. If that doesn't work, then you bring somebody from the community as a judge. The same thing when we have a dispute as a Muslim ummah, we should keep it contained and we should not bring the enemy from outside to solve it. And when Muawiyah was having a dispute with Ali, the Romans felt that this is their opportunity to make a move. So they started to arrange their army and the news reached to Muawiyah because Muawiyah was the one who was close to the Roman Empire in Asham. So Muawiyah sent a letter to the emperor of the Romans. He said, لا يغرنك خلافي مع ابن عمي 
don't, say, don't let the dispute between me and my cousin cause you to be overconfident. If you do not stop, I'm going to send you an army that starts here and ends where you are. Muawiyah is telling them clearly, don't think that this dispute me, between me and my cousin will uh, cause us to open door of opportunity for you to come in. Harun is telling his brother Musa, Don't let the enemies rejoice over this. Harun said they were about to kill me. They saw Harun as weak. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given every one of these anbiya all of the qualities he needs for the specific purpose that they're going to fulfill. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given Musa a very strong and powerful personality because he's going to be dealing with a very stubborn people, Bani Israel. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given him a very strong personality and a strong body and a strong character and a strong presence. When Musa was there, they wouldn't dare to do this thing that they did in front of Harun. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given Harun the qualifications he needs as a wazir and advisor for his brother. He has given him the ability to speak. Musa said, my brother Harun is more eloquent or more clear in his speech to be an assistance for his brother. Harun, when, when Musa was absent, Bani Israel were about to kill him. So Harun had to calm things down until his brother would come back. If he tried to enforce the law and prevent them from worshipping the calf, that would have caused a rift and a dispute between Bani Israel and the problem could get out of control. And we know that when you make nahi an al-munkar, you want to make sure that it will not cause a bigger munkar. When you're preventing evil, one of the rules of preventing evil is that it should not cause a bigger evil. So Harun is not approving the worshipping of the calf. He told his people, see because he has to make bayan. He cannot be quiet and then say this is hikmah, no. He has to tell the people that this is wrong. And he told them that this is wrong. Your Lord is Allah, Rahman. But he waited until his brother came back and then he would leave it in the hands of his brother Musa. Musa accepted that apology and he accepted the justification of Sayyidina Harun. So Musa said, Musa said, Oh Allah, forgive me and my brother and include us both in your mercy because you are the most merciful. Musa had a very soft and merciful heart. Even though he was in a moment of anger, he was very angry and he was grabbing his brother by his beard and by his head. But immediately when he saw that his brother was on the right side, he started making dua for him and his brother. And this shows the love of following the truth. It is not uh, stubbornness. It is not, we don't uh, follow our desires. We follow the haqq wherever it is. So Musa in the beginning, he saw that this was a mistake, so he came to stop it. And then when the explanation was given to him, he knew that his brother was doing the right thing, so he immediately made dua for his brother. And then Musa turned towards As-Samiri, the cause of all of this problem. He said, Qala, fama ya Samiri. 
And what is the matter with you, O Samari? Musa, when he first came, who did he first blame? First, he directed the blame to his people. And then who did he blame next? Harun. Finally, he blamed the Samari, even though a Samari was the cause of the problem. Look at the hikmah in that. Per, who is the one who is responsible for this sin? It is the people. It is the whole people because they... See, a Samari, if he, if he gave this advice and the people didn't follow it, it wouldn't have occurred. Always in every ummah, there are going to be some people who will call to evil. Now, is the ummah going to follow them or not? So who carries the burden? It is the ummah. It is the whole ummah of Bani Israel. So Musa directed the blame to them first. He said, Do you want the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to come on you? So he first blamed the ummah of Bani Israel because if they did not follow the advice, this problem would have stopped right there and it, would, it wouldn't have occurred. So in the beginning, it's the responsibility of the ummah. Any problem that we are going through today, it is our problem. The problem of the ummah. The problem that is happening in the Iraq or in Chechnya or in Kashmir or in Palestine or in Somal or in Eritrea or any part of the Muslim world or in Sudan, it is our problem collectively as an ummah. And then, who does the blame go to next? The leaders. Musa did not go and talk to a Samari next. He went to the Amir. He went to the leader. He went to his brother Harun. قال يا هارون ما منعك إذ رأيتهم ضلوا ألا تتبعني أفعصيت أمري. How come you didn't convey this message to me? You are the leader. You are held responsible. You are held accountable. And then in the end, Musa went to a Samri and told him, "What's wrong with you, a Samri? Because a Samri is following Shaytan, and he's only one person." If the people and the leader stand against him, he couldn't do anything. And what is the matter with you, O Samari? I saw what they saw not, so I took a handful of dust from the hoof print of the messenger Jibreel, and I threw it into the fire Thus my inner self suggested to me. And we talked about how he did this when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was drowning Fir'aun and his army. Jibreel was there. A Samari was able through an ayah, a sign of Allah, something supernatural, was able to see Jibreel and he was able to see the footsteps of Jibreel or the horse of Jibreel. And he was picking up from that dirt and then he mixed it with the gold which the woman of Bani Israel had, and that gold belonged to who? To the woman of Egypt. They mixed it together, and they made a calf. That calf started making some strange sounds, like a sound of a calf. So they started worshipping it. Musa made his decision in terms of the punishment to a Samri. He handed down the punishment to a Samri, and that is that the Samri be exiled for the rest of his life. Because of this sin, you cannot be part of our ummah anymore. You have to leave us alone and we will leave you alone. Musa here is saying, قَالَ فَاذْهَبْ فَإِنَّ لَكَ فِي الْحَيَاةِ أَن تَقُولَ لَا مِسَاسِ 
Musa said, then go away and verily your punishment in this life will be that you will say, touch me not, you have a promise that will not fail. قال فذهب فإن لك في الحياة أن تقول لا مساس وإن لك موعدا لن تخلفه. Musa in other words is saying, go, in this dunya you will not be with us and we will not touch you. And then he said, إن لك موعدا لن تخلفه. We're going to leave you now alone. This is a punishment in dunya. And then in akhirah, there is another punishment that will be on you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he said, وَانْظُرْ إِلَىٰ إِلَٰهِكَ الَّذِي ظَلْتَ عَلَيْهِ عَاكِفًا لَنُحَرِّقَنَّهُ ثُمَّ لَنَنْسِفَنَّهُ فِي الْيَمِّ نَسْفًا Musa said, and look at your God to which you have been devoted. We will certainly burn it and scatter its particles in the sea. He didn't even want to make use of the gold in it. He said, we're going to burn it all and throw it in the sea. And then Musa said, إِنَّمَا إِلَٰهُكُمُ اللَّهُ الَّذِي لَا إِلَٰهَ إِلَّا هُوَ وَسِعَ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ عِلْمًا Your God is only Allah. He has full knowledge of all things. It is only Allah, la ilaha illa huwa. None has the right to be worshipped but He. He has full knowledge of all things. Allah, they asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for tawbah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I will accept your tawbah, but there, there is a condition. This crime is a very grave crime. It's a very big crime. Therefore, the tawbah for it, you have to sacrifice. وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ يَا قَوْمِ إِنَّكُمْ ظَلَمْتُمْ أَنفُسَكُمْ بِاتِّخَاذِكُمُ الْعِجْلِ فَتُوبُوا إِلَىٰ بَارِئِكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and remember, when Musa said to his people, O oh my people, verily, you have wronged yourselves by worshipping the calf. So turn in repentance to your Creator. And what is the repentance? اُقْتُلُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ Kill yourselves. This is a big sin. Worshipping the calf is a big sin. Therefore, they have to pay a price for the tawbah. Because Bani Israel kept on changing their minds every, every now and then they commit a crime and then they say, Oh Allah, forgive us. They commit a crime. Oh Allah, forgive us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants them to pay a price and sacrifice if they want their tawbah to be accepted. anfusakum. Allah says in Quran, kill yourselves. What does this mean? The Mufassirin say it means that the ones who did not participate in worshipping the calf, kill the ones who worship the calf. Even if it is their father or their brother or their son. And that's why it's killing yourselves. Because you could be killing your father or killing your son or killing your brother. It's like killing your own self. So all of Bani Israel had to pay a price even though not all of them worshipped the calf. But this happened in front of their eyes and they did not stop it. So the toba was you kill yourselves. So they took the knives and the swords and the cars started killing each other and it was a massacre. It is said in one day 70,000 were killed. It was a massacre. Blood was flowing. But this was their tawbah. Because of the big sin they have committed, they had to pay a hefty price for this tawbah. وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ يَا قَوْمِ إِنَّكُمْ ظَلَمْتُمْ أَنفُسَكُمْ بِاتِّخَاذِكُمُ الْعِجْلَ فَتُوبُوا إِلَىٰ بَارِئِكُمْ 
فتوبوا إلى بارئكم فاقتلوا أنفسكم ذلكم خير لكم عند بارئكم فتاب عليكم إنه هو التواب الرحيم Allah says and remember when Musa said to his people oh my people Verily you have wronged yourselves by worshipping the calf, so turn in repentance to your Creator and kill yourselves. That will be better for you with your Creator. Then he accepted your repentance. Allah accepted it from them even though it was riddah. Truly, he is the one who accepts repentance the most merciful. Musa chose 70 men from the elders of Bani Israel, the most prominent among them, the leaders of the people. And he took them to the mountain, At-Tur, to meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some of the Mufassirin say they went on that mission to apologize to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what Bani Israel have done. So this is a delegation from Bani Israel going to apologize for what Bani Israel have done. وَاخْتَارَ مُوسَى قَوْمَهُ سَبْعِينَ رَجُلًا لِمِيقَاتِنَا and Musa chose out of his people 70 of the best men for our appointed time and place of meeting. So they went to meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As I said, some of the Mufassirin say they went to apologize for what Bani Israel have done. When they got there, Musa went into a cloud. The mountain was covered in a cloud. They stayed outside. Musa went into the cloud and they saw the light in which Musa was standing in. And Musa was speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Musa came out. When Musa came out, these men, the best of Bani Israel, they said, وَإِذْ قُلْتُمْ يَا مُوسَىٰ لَن نُؤْمِنَ لَكَ حَتَّى نَرَى اللَّهَ جَهْرَةً فَأَخَذَتْكُمُ الصَّاعِقَةُ وَأَنْتُمْ تَنْظُرُونَ Oh Musa, we're not going to believe in Allah until we see Him with our own eyes. You come to apologize for the sin and now you're putting these prerequisites. We're not going to believe in you. We're not going to believe in your message until we see Allah with our own eyes. So the earth shook and they all fell dead. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ قُلْتُمْ يَا مُوسَىٰ لَن نُؤْمِنَ لَكَ حَتَّى نَرَى اللَّهَ جَهْرَةً فَأَخَذَتْكُمُ الصَّاعِقَةُ وَأَنْتُمْ تَنْظُرُونَ But you were seized with a thunderbolt while you were looking. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent on them a sa'iqa, a thunderbolt, it killed them all. Allahu Akbar. Now, Musa is in a dilemma. Musa took these 70 which are the best of the Bani Israel to go and to, to apologize to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These 70 are dead. What will Musa tell the people when he goes back? The people will completely lose hope. If these are the best of us and this is what happened to them, we have no hope. So Musa knew that his people are going to be in a halat yas, despair. These are the best among us. These are the ones whom we expect Allah to accept their apology. If Allah did not accept the, their apology and Allah killed them all, what will happen to us? Musa alayhi salam said, فَلَمَّا 
Allah, if it had been your will, you could have destroyed them and me before. Allah, if you wanted, you could have destroyed us before. أتهلكنا بما فعل السفهاء منا. Would you destroy us for the deeds of the foolish ones among us? There are some among us who are foolish. Are you going to destroy us all because of them? إن هي إلا فتنتك تضل بها من تشاء وتهدي من تشاء أنت ولينا فاغفر لنا وارحمنا وأنت خير الغافرين it is only your trial by which you lead astray whom you will and you keep guided whom you will. You are our protector, so forgive us and have mercy on us. You are the best of those who forgive. And then he said, وَاكْتُبْ لَنَا فِي هَذِهِ الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخَرَةِ حَسَنَةً إِنَّا هُدْنَا إِلَيْكَ And ordain for us good in this world and in the hereafter, certainly we have turned unto you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, قَالَ عَذَابِ أُصِيبُ بِهِ مَنْ أَشَاءَ my punishment I afflict with therewith whom I will. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can punish whomever he wills. وَرَحْمَتِي وَسِعَتْ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ And my mercy embraces all things. The mercy of Allah embraces all things. فَسَأَكْتُبُهَا لِلَّذِينَ يَتَّقُونَ وَيُؤْتُونَ الزَّكَاةَ وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ بِآيَاتِنَا يُؤْمِنُونَ That mercy I shall ordain for those who are muttaqeen, righteous, and give zakah, and the ones who believe in our ayat, who are they? الذين يتبعون الرسول النبي الأمي الذي يجدونه مكتوبا عندهم في التوراة والإنجيل. الله سبحانه وتعالى says those who follow the messenger, the prophet, who can neither read nor write, whom they find written with them in the Torah and the Injil, the بشارة, the glad tidings of Sayyidina Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم was given to Bani Israel in that moment. Where is it? They hid it. They changed it, they altered it. But the promise of Rasulullah was given to Musa and this honor was given to Rasulullah in that time, in the presence of the leaders of Bani Israel. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ بَعَثْنَاكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَوْتِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ Then we raised you up after your death so that you may be grateful. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised them up after their death. Musa, Musa he brought them the laws of Allah, and he said, follow them. This is the law of Allah, you have to follow it. Give me a promise that you will follow it. Bani Israel said, no. Show us what is in there first, and then we're going to tell you, are we going to follow it or not? This is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And they know that it is the word of Allah. They told Musa, we're not going to follow it until you let us know what is written there. Show us what is there first. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا أَخَذْنَا مِيثَاقَكُمْ وَرَفَعْنَا فَوْقَكُمُ الطُّورِ And remember when we took your covenant and we raised above you the mount. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lifted up a mountain 
in the air. And this mountain flew over Bani Israel and stopped right there like a cloud over their heads. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Bani Israel, you either follow the word of Allah, otherwise this mountain will crush you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذْ نَتَقْنَ الْجَبَلَ فَوْقَهُمْ كَأَنَّهُ ظُلَّةٌ وَظَنُّوا أَنَّهُ وَاقِعٌ بِهِمْ خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ بِقُوَّةٍ خُذُوا مَا آتَيْنَاكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and we raise the mountain above your heads as if it is a canopy. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told them, you either follow the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, otherwise you will be crushed under this mountain. Al-Mufassirin say, that Bani Israel, as soon as they saw the mountain above their heads, they said, we're going to follow. Fine. We agree. And they made sujood. And they made sujood. Ibn Abbas says, they didn't make sujood on their forehead and their nose. They made sujood on their cheeks so that they can look with one eye up to the mountain. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving Bani Israel many chances. An incident happened where one old man from Bani Israel was killed. This man was wealthy. They couldn't find out who killed him. They didn't know. They tried. They searched. Nobody admitted to the crime, and they looked around. They didn't know who killed him. So they went to Musa, and they said, Oh, Musa, we want you to solve this crime. Somebody is killed. We don't know who killed him. Solve it for us. So Musa asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for a solution to this problem. Musa went to Bani Israel and said, وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَن تَذْبَحُوا بَقَرَةِ Musa went to his people and said, Allah is commanding you to sacrifice a cow. They said, what, are you making fun of us? Are you joking with us? We're asking you to solve a crime of somebody who was killed and you're telling us to kill a cow. What are you talking about? They said, وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِقَوْمِهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُكُمْ أَنْ تَذْبَحُوا بَقَرَةً قَالُوا أَتَتَّخِذُنَا هُزُوًا They said, do you make fun of us? What did Musa say? إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُكُمْ Allah is commanding you. And Bani Israel said that you're making fun of us, are you joking? Look at the rude, rudeness of Bani Israel. What do you mean? Musa is joking with the name of Allah. Musa will tell you, go and sacrifice a cow. Allah is telling you to sacrifice a cow. And you go and tell him you're joking. Are you making fun of us? This is not appropriate for a righteous man to do, let alone a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a prophet, to use the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in jokes. But this is, it shows you the manners and the adab of Bani Israel. قَالَ أَتَتَّخِذُنَا هُزُوَا قَالَ أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ أَنَا أَكُونَ مِنَ الْجَاهِلِينَ I seek refuge in Allah from being an ignorant or a foolish. I'm not making fun of you. This is serious. Jid. Allah told them, sacrifice a cow. Now if you would follow that order, what does it mean? You go and take any cow. But many Israel asked too many questions. So they went to Musa and said, قَالُوا دُعُوا لَنَا رَبَّكَ 
yubayyin lana mahi. They said, call upon your Lord for us that he may make plain to us what it is. So they ask the question, they're going to get an answer. قَالَ إِنَّهُ يَقُولُ إِنَّهَا بَقَرَةٌ لَا فَارِضٌ وَلَا بِكْرٌ عَوَانٌ بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ فَافْعَلُوا مَا تُؤْمَرُونَ Verily, it is a cow neither too old nor too young, but it is between the two conditions, so do what you are commanded. So now their pool of choice is narrower. It has to be middle-aged cow. It can't be old, it can't be young. So they went, and they looked at the cows, and then they came back to Musa and said, قَالُوا دُعُوا لَنَا رَبَّكَ يُبَيِّلْ لَنَا مَا لُونُوا Oh Musa, can you ask Allah to tell us what color it is? قَالَ إِنَّهُ يَقُولُ إِنَّهَا بَقَرَةٌ صَفْرَاءٌ فَاقِعٌ لَوْنُهَا تَصُرُّ النَّاظِرِينَ It is a yellow cow, bright in its color, pleasing the beholders. Now it has to be yellow. And yellow is rare. And it has to be pleasing. When you see it, you're pleased. So now they're even forced to go into a smaller choice. Now the choice is becoming narrower and narrower. The pool of choosing is smaller. They went and looked around at the cows, and then they came back. They said, call upon your Lord for us to make plain to us what it is. To make plain to us what it is. And then they said, verily to us, all cows are alike. We went and we saw all the cows, they look the same. All these cows, they look the same to us. If they look the same, go and take one of them and sacrifice it. Why do you have to ask all of these questions? They felt that they are asking too many questions. They knew that. So they said, They said, and inshallah, we'll find the right one. قَالَ إِنَّهُ يَقُولُ إِنَّهَا بَقَرَةٌ لَا ذَلُولٌ تُثِيرُ الْأَرْضَ وَلَا تَسْقِي الْحَرْثَ مُسَلَّمَةٌ لَا شِيَةَ فِيهَا He, Musa said, it is a cow neither trained to till the soil nor water the fields, sound having no other color except bright yellow. So this cow now does not till the soil nor water the fields. It is sound. It has no problems with it. So these are additional descriptions which are narrowing their choice. They went around and they found only one cow that fulfills these conditions. Only one. In all of Ben Israel, only one cow. And it is said that this cow was owned by an orphan. Somehow the orphan knew that Ben Israel want this cow badly. So he made business out of it. He knew that there's no cow that has these qualities except this one. And not only triple the price, it's not tripling the price. He said, if you want this cow, you have to pay me its weight in gold. You have to pay me its weight in gold. He knows how to make money out of a cow. And Bani Israel were forced to pay its weight in gold because that was the only cow that fulfills the conditions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, when they saw this cow, they said, now you have brought us with the truth. They told Musa, now you have brought us with the truth, as if he was joking or lying to them before. It shows you how rude they were with their Nabi. So they slaughtered it, though they were near not to do it. They barely did it. 
Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tell them to slaughter a cow? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to perform an ayah, a miracle in front of their eyes. And remember when you killed a man and fell into dispute among yourselves as to the crime, but Allah brought forth that which you were hiding. And remember, so we said, strike him, the dead man, with a piece of the cow. Take a piece of that cow, which is dead. And strike the dead man with it, you're going to have life. So the dead man who was killed, when they touched him with the dead flesh of the cow, the man stood up alive and he started to speak and he said, my nephew is the one who killed me. Because he killed him for the inheritance. My nephew is the one who killed me and then he died again. It was a miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, كَذَلِكَ يُحْيِي اللَّهُ الْمَوْتَى وَيُرِيكُمْ آيَاتِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ Thus Allah brings the dead to life and shows you his ayat, his signs, so that you may understand. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ثُمَّ قَسَتْ قُلُوبُكُمْ Then after that your hearts were hardened. And they are as hard as rocks or even harder. Subhanallah, a heart can be harder than rocks. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says there are some rocks. And indeed there are stones out of which rivers gush, gush forth. And there are stones where water flows from them. And there are stones that fall down for fear of Allah. And your hearts are even worse than stones. There are stones that can produce water. There are stones where rivers can come out. There are stones that would fall down from the khashiyah of Allah and your hearts are stone, they are producing nothing. They have no khashiyah, no fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This lesson of Al-Baqarah, a few comments on it. It is not appropriate to come to the Anbiya of Allah and ask them questions and ask them too many questions that don't have a good purpose behind them or that are not beneficial. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told the people in Sahih Muslim, this hadith is narrated by Muslim, Rasulullah said, Oh people, Allah has made it mandatory on you to make hajj, so make hajj. One of the men present, it's a clear order from Rasulullah, make hajj, very clear, doesn't need any explanation. One man stood up and said, every year, should we make hajj every year? Rasulullah did not answer. The man stood again and said, Should we make hajj every year? Rasulullah did not answer. He stood up a third time and said, Shall we make hajj? He's insisting. Rasulullah said, لو قلت نعم لوجبت ولم استطعتم. If I said yes, it would have become mandatory on you and you would not be able to do it. Why are you asking the question? If I said yes, then it would become mandatory on you to make hajj every year and you will not be able to do it. Why are you bringing difficulty on yourselves? And then Rasulullah said, said, Leave me alone with what I have left you with. What have destroyed, what has destroyed the people before you is because of their going back and forth to their anbiya and asking them questions. 
If I tell you to do something, do the best you can. And if I prevent you from doing something, don't do it. Don't ask too many questions. If I tell you to do something, do as much as you can. Because the orders of Islam are many. And many of them are recommended. We can't do them all. So Rasulullah knew that. And he said, Do as much as you can. But in the things that are haram, you don't do them, period. If I tell you not to do something, then don't do it. Don't ask too many questions. And this is to the Anbiya. Now, this needs to be understood in the right way. It does not mean that you worship Allah on ignorance. If you don't know something, then you need to ask. Because we have a situation which is mentioned in Hadith Abi Dawood. عن جابر قال خرجنا في سفر فأصاب رجلا منا حجر فشجه في رأسه ثم احتلم Jabir says we were traveling and there was a man with us who got injured with a stone a stone came in his head a rock came and knocked him in his head and it injured him and then he had a wet dream at night so when he woke up he was in Janaba when he woke up in the morning he said فقال هل تجدون لي رخصة في التيمم do you find any excuse for me to make tayammum? Is it allowed for me to make tayammum? فَقَالُوا مَا نَجِدُ لَكَ رُخْصَةً We don't find any excuse for you. You have to, you have to make ghusl. He said, can I make tayammum? They said, no, I have to make ghusl. They gave him a fatwa. وَأَنْتَ تَقْدِرُ عَلَى الْمَاءِ And you are able to touch water. فَاغْتَسَلَ فَمَاتْ He took a shower and he died. They told him, we don't find, find an excuse for you. You have to bathe. You're not able to make tamu. So the news was carried to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu said, They killed him, may Allah kill them. They killed him. Why didn't they ask if they do not know? Because the cure of ignorance is asking. How come they didn't ask? They did not know. Why did they give him a fatwa and they don't know? They should ask. The cure of ignorance is asking. It is enough for him to make tayammum and tie a cloth on his head and then uh, wash the rest of his body. But the water, when it hit the injury, it killed him. So Rasulullah is saying here that you need to ask. And also we learn something important from this hadith. Don't give fatwa if you don't know. Allah, I have brothers coming and telling me about things that they are told. Unbelievable. People are giving fatwa right and left. May Allah forgive us all. We all make mistakes. All of us, we make mistakes. But sometimes there are some of us, and whenever a question is presented, they have an answer. They have an answer for everything. They are a know-it-all. Everything they can answer. You, you could answer a question and you could cause a death of somebody like this. The sharia is, is not a game that you play with. When you don't know, say, Allahu A'lam. They, somebody traveled from Al-Maghrib or from Andalus, from the extreme west, to Al-Imam Malik in Medina. He had 40 questions. He asked Al-Imam Malik these 40 questions. Al-Imam Malik answered 34 of them with La'alam. I don't know. 
40 questions out of the 40, 34, he said, I do not know, Allah knows best. The man said, I came all the way from Morocco to hear all that you don't know. And Imam Malik said, I don't know. This man traveled all the way, and now sometimes we volunteer. We jump into a conversation and we volunteer an answer. Some of the ulama said, I don't know is half of knowledge. A sign of knowledge is when you say, I don't know. That shows that this person has some knowledge. They came to Umar al-Khattab once, and, and we learned two things from this hadith, of, uh, this incident with Umar al-Khattab. Somebody asked Umar al-Khattab a question when Umar was a khalifa. Umar al-Khattab said, did this thing happen? The man said, no. He said, okay, go back home. When it happens, then come back and ask me, and I will gather the people of Badr to give you an answer. We learn from this hadith of Umar al-Khattab that we should not try to know about things that we don't need to know about. If the incident did not happen, why hypothesize? I mean, there are some outrageous things, like this uh, question that was presented to the fuqaha. This is in the old time. This question was presented to the fuqaha. They said, what if somebody is carrying wind in a bag? You know wind that comes out from the body? They said somebody gathered that wind in a bag, and then he put it on his back. And then he flew in the air. They did not have airplanes in the time. Look. And then he flew in the air. Can he pray? Can he pray with that wind on his back? Look at the, uh, this is somebody who has nothing to do and is laying down on his bed thinking about these hypothetical situations. So Umar ibn Khattab said, I'm not going to answer the question. If it did not happen, I'm not going to answer it. Go back home. When it happens, then come back. And what did Umar say? He said, I'm not going to answer it. I'm going to bring the people of Badr who are still alive and make a council and then we're going to give you a fatwa. Umar al-Khattab cannot give a fatwa alone. He has to bring the people of Badr to give a fatwa. Allahu Akbar. Now, in the time of the Anbiya, they were not supposed to ask some questions because wahi was still coming down. Now, you need to ask questions if you don't know. If you don't know something, ask questions. But ask questions about al-ilm al yanfa. Ask questions about knowledge that will benefit you. Don't ask about ilm la yanfa. Don't ask about knowledge that will not benefit you. And Rasulullah used to say in the hadith, Allahumma inni asaluka ilman nafi'an wa'udhu bika min ilman la yanfa. I ask you to give me knowledge that will benefit me and I seek refuge in you from knowledge that does not benefit. SubhanAllah, if you look at the method of Qur'an, the methodology of Qur'an, you find that Qur'an does not mention dates, did not mention places. I mean, there is no... Uh, historical record in Quran. You don't find any dates mentioned whatsoever. Why? Because the dates of when things happen don't have anything to do with the Hidayah. This book, Quran, is a book of guidance. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put the Huda in it. But when you compare it to the Bible, you find that everything in the Bible has dates and numbers and places and, and the, it has the family, the name of the family members of every person that is mentioned in there and who they got married to, and their life story. If you look in Qur'an, you find that Qur'an has not even mentioned the stories of the birth of the Anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It did not give the dates of their birth, it did not even mention the stories of the births of the Anbiya with the exception of Isa. Why? Because of the importance of the birth of Isa and guidance. Why? Because Isa was worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because of his miraculous birth. They said that he is the son of God. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talked about the birth of Isa in Quran. But Allah did not talk about the birth of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He did not talk about the birth of Salih or Hud. 
or Ibrahim السلام, or Nuh. Allah did not talk about their births. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just mentioned the Bishara, the glad tidings of the birth of Ismail and Ishaq because of the miracle in it, because it was to an old man, Ibrahim, and an old woman, Sarah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also talked about the birth of Sayyidina Yahya because of the miracle in it too. Zakariya was old in age and his wife was old in age. And Allah talked about the creation of Adam, which is his birth. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not talk about the birth of anyone else. Musa, Allah talked about the birth of Musa because of the miracle, the ayah in his birth. At least the early parts of his life, there's a miracle in it. Uh, so we need to concentrate on the knowledge that will benefit. The knowledge that will benefit. And the, we should look at the fruits of knowledge. They came to Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal and they said, I think they were talking about Bishr al-Hafi or one of the ulama. They came to Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal and said he's not a scholar. He's not a scholar. Why? Because he doesn't know a lot of fiqh and he doesn't know a lot of hadith. They said he's not a scholar. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal said he, ha- he already has the fruit of knowledge. And that is khashyat Allah Azza wa Jal, the fear of Allah. You're saying he doesn't have knowledge? He already has the fruit of knowledge. And what is the fruit of knowledge? The fear of Allah. Inna The ones who fear Allah are the scholars. Now this man fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so he has the fruit of knowledge. So we should seek the fruit of knowledge. And we should study the knowledge that benefits. The knowledge of huda, guidance. And get away from the details and the minor issues and the disputable issues that add nothing or subtract. I mean, subhanAllah, sometimes we have big disputes about things that are not going to put you in Jannah or put you in hellfire, if you do them or you don't. Some very, very minor issues when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us that our unity is a priority. Sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam tasliman kathira. For further information, please contact Al-Bashir Publications and Translations at 1-877-745-3330 or 303-574-0095. Our fax number is 303-373-0943 or visit our website at www. Dot albashir.com. That's www.al-basheer.com. You can also write to our address at 10515 East 40th Avenue, Suite 108, Denver, Colorado, 80239-3264. All rights reserved for Al-Bashir Company for publications and translations. No part of this series may be reproduced in any form without written permission from the publisher. Unlawful reproductions may prevent Muslim businesses from further producing quality programs. Your consideration is greatly appreciated. Jazakumullahu khairan. Please proceed to the next CD.